Hello again, everyone. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio and our always entertaining podcast, the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio guests gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Tim Muma, and joining me in the quad today is Lynn Molitor. Hi, everyone. From Chicago, Illinois today, Jacqueline Peterson. Hello. And in the studio with Lynn and myself, it's Ashley Fitzgerald. Hello. Now, before we start breaking down our topics, just a quick reminder for our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at the LJN and use the hashtag LJN radio to tweet a response regarding this edition of the quad or maybe one you've heard from the past and a Starbucks gift card will be awarded for our favorite tweet. Now, we are a bit all over the map for this episode as far as our topics go, but I think that's in a positive way. All sorts of individuals can be helped with this podcast, I think. And we'll kick things off actually with Ashley, who has some thoughts on quitting your job or not quitting your job, but you can give us the details on that. Hopefully not quitting your job. Yes. Um, (laughs) So I came across an article that was the top 10 reasons not to quit your job. And I thought it was interesting because I do think there are a lot of people out there who do quit in the heat of the moment. And reading through these here, I'll kind of give some examples of, you know, what was said. But one is don't quit your job if you don't have a plan. Mm. Don't quit your job if you don't have any savings. Another piece here that I thought was interesting is don't quit your job if you're not done learning because you obviously never know what's going to come up or, you know, maybe an entry-level position, as they're saying here, could actually turn into an experienced position pretty quickly. Another thing was things could get better. That's why I was kind of talking about, you know, maybe the heat of the moment is maybe not the best time to decide this isn't the position for me. Number five was you're just quitting for a bigger paycheck. Number six is you're only quitting because someone said you should, which hopefully nobody does that. Number seven is you're not thinking logically. Number eight is you're wearing rose-colored glasses. And again, everybody always thinks the grass is greener. So, um, you know, you definitely want to think about that. Number nine is you can make big changes without quitting. And then number 10, I also thought was interesting is that your resume will suffer. And, you know, I know a couple people who have kind of done a few of these things and have, have actually quit in the heat of the moment and really hasn't turned out so well for them. So I wanted to kind of just open it up and see if you have any recommendations or if you've ever left your position um, based on one of these things and how it's turned out for you. I can start with that. I actually, number one, did uh, go through with not I want to say I didn't have a plan at all, but my previous employer, I had been there for a couple of years. It was kind of a difficult working situation and um, nothing was changing. My contract was essentially being renewed at a lower price than the previous year. And, and there were a lot of changes that had been made. So essentially, I had a decision to make. I can I could sign that contract and it was due or I can um, kind of see what happens because I, obviously I was looking for things. I was submitting applications. I had some interviews, but nothing was was formally uh, official and uh, just talked it over with my family and thought, you know, it's it's really not a good situation for us to go forward with this position. And fortunately, within, I'd say, a couple weeks, MilwaukeeJobs.com gave me a call, an email <laughs> as well. From uh, might have been one of us in the quad that's speaking to us from Chicago. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, basically history took over from there. I mean, I've been here since and um, it was a little scary. It was a little, little uh, concerning, obviously, especially with a family and not having a full plan, right. as it was mentioned in here. Um, but there's a part of it was just like, you know, this is the best decision I can make. It wasn't in the heat of the moment. It was something I Right. Heard. I think that's the point right. of it. Yeah. Right. Took some time, laid some items out, you know, said we'll be fine for a while. So it wasn't, you know, not all these th- things on the list applied, but um, as far as a plan, like I said, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I have this lined up. We're good to go. It was more, I feel good, 
but we'll see where it happens. So a lot sure. of people would have thought, you know, it was foolish because I had a job in hand, so to speak. Exactly. But without them knowing kind of the details. But it was that contract, that contract right. renewal that kind of forced your hand right. almost. And it yeah. definitely, and it definitely yep. wasn't just the financial side of it. There are a lot of other aspects that went into it. Fortunately, it worked out uh, very well for me in the end. Well, that's it good. It did. That's a good story. <laughs> that, is a, that is a positive story. All right. Good, good. I have one, too. Um, when I first moved from Arizona to Wisconsin, I did have a job lined up, actually. I was very proactive in making sure that my transition would be very, very easy. And I did. I worked at a local TV station there. But after a few months, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I didn't want to do it any longer. So I did do uh, number one, which is quit and don't have a plan. It actually turned out really nice. I got acquainted with the city better. I had just moved. I had no family, no friends. I did have a little bit of savings just because I knew that we would be moving. So I wasn't too concerned about it. And that was more important to me. It helped me adjust with my new life, 2000 miles away from home. It helped me adjust not having any family or friends around. And I think it just overall, it made it just a more positive experience for me. And then once I did start looking a couple weeks later, then I was uh, working at Infosoft Group uh, Local Job Network, and I've been there ever since. So <laughs> November will be my nine-year anniversary. So for so, me, it worked out positively. So for our <laughs> listeners, they can tell that we're all working at the same place, but we have a lot of different names. Yes, a lot of branding. True, true. Yeah, I knew us as MilwaukeeJobs.com being locally, and yeah, we've gone over that kind of thing. <laughs> I actually have, uh, in my long life, which it is long, (laughs) I've only had four total employers, so this would be the fourth. But I was at one employer for 21 years, so it wasn't like I was quitting my job, but I definitely transferred internally. Mm. And I think the article kind of alluded to that in terms of, you know, maybe if you're not happy, you know, ask for a different job. Yeah. And, um, you know, me in a project manager role, that meant moving around to different work teams, depending on what the project was. Mm -hmm. I tried never to let emotions get to me, like you had mentioned, Ashley. And I think that's important because you always hit the, you know, on any given day, you can hit that frustration, but it's kind of like you need to think rationally. And I was fortunate because I did have you know, a sounding board at home, right? someone that I could just kind of vent and he would put things in perspective for me. And and we both worked at the same place, so he knew who I was talking about. <laughs> but then, you know, just as calmer heads prevailed, um, I did look for other growth opportunities. Sure. And, you know, I go through the process and, and I had to, um, part of the process there was I had to talk to my current manager and let him or her know that I was looking for other opportunities. Hmm. Um, And sometimes, you know, just having that conversation helped because then depending on where my frustrations were or what I was looking for, they could actually give me that. Right. And it wasn't, you know, if I hadn't had the discussion, things wouldn't have gotten better. But, you know, when you take the emotion out and then you just have a conversation, you know, with my manager, you know, I got chances to do things that um, I, maybe I wouldn't have ever had the chance to. Mm-hmm. And then in other times, you know, I would apply for a position and then I would transfer internally. And, right. um, you know, sometimes it would be like, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of what you were saying, too. It's like, make sure you do it for the right reasons. Right. Yeah. But luckily, I had a support system that even though I, you know, it was hard for me and difficult, my manager would kind of talk me off the ledge, so to speak. And <laughs> 
let me know. You can figure it out. Right. Stick it out. Right. Yeah. It could get better. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I don't have the termination thing, but I sometimes the internal transfer can be viewed as the same. Yeah. No, that could be tricky too. Just yeah. the different aspects, factors that play play a role there. So. Ashley, do you have any personal experiences or? No, like I said, I mean, I think a lot of the things that came to mind was more of family members, friends mm-hmm. that I know have quit in the heat of the moment. And it, it just didn't turn out so well because then it took them a while to find a position. And I think kind of how Jacqueline was saying, you know, she did. Number one is that you don't have a plan, but you do have savings. Right. And I think that's the area where it can get very tricky, you know, whether it works for you or not, if you have a plan. And that's some of the issues that. I've found it just doesn't work out when you don't have that savings because you just get more stressed and it gets harder and harder to find a position then. I think some great points in there. And uh, as you can tell, everyone has their own experiences and um, it's obviously going to depend on what uh, situation you're in. So think carefully before you quit that job in in many cases. Absolutely. Perhaps it may be a a little bit of a similar vein as to why you're struggling or maybe you're succeeding in your career. I was actually looking to discuss the the trait, the idea of perfectionism and being a perfectionist. I think, um, you know, many people say that all the time. I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I want to get all of your thoughts on on what that means to you. The official definition I found through uh, Merriam-Webster in this case was a disposition to regard anything short of perfection as unacceptable. So, I'm just going to leave it at that and hand it off to the rest of you intelligent folks. I know for me personally over the years, it's like I definitely have an intention to detail. And I'm always striving to be, you know, I guess I'm striving for perfection because why would I strive to be, you know, 90 (laughs) percent? Right. Um, But the things that I have to tell myself at times is don't suffer from what I would call analysis paralysis Mm. in the project manager mode. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) You know, sometimes you can just analyze something or plan something to the nth degree, and then you kind of have to step back and go, why, what am I going to get for this? You know, maybe I'm working late at night because I'm, my time isn't being spent in a, in the, you know, in the manner where it should be spent. Right. Or, you know, sometimes it's like you like provide feedback on something, you know, to the nth degree. And then it's like, are we going to win an award for this? <laughs> Is anyone really going to stare at this to the degree that we're staring at it? Right. You know, so you don't want to you don't want to compromise on your high quality standards but you do have to kind of find that where is that spot mm-hmm. where you're getting bang for your buck <laughs> the analysis by paralysis i i think that's a good way to put it i think um you're right when you say you know not anybody wants to be working at 90% everybody obviously is going to perfection but i think depending on your role it could help or hurt you. The way that I'm looking at it is from managing other people. And I, I feel like if I am a perfectionist, that I will never be happy with their mm. productivity. Oh. And, oh, you know, there's always something to get better at, which there always is. But I think you also have to look at it like you make mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. And I think that's a way to help other people grow as well. So you help them towards perfectionism, if you will. But you can't expect that they are going to be perfect. Yeah, that's a good twist on things. Yeah, that's a whole different thing when as a manager and you're managing other people. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I can tend to be a self-claimed perfectionist. And what I mean by that is I do want to make sure that everything is 
the way that I think that it should be or the way that our standards are. As far as it helping, I think that it has elevated me and I've been able to move forward over the years. As far as it hurting, I think it can, I think to Lynn's point, paralysis, it can sort of paralyze you in the sense that you're constantly going to be reviewing it. You're constantly going to be thinking about it. And at you know, what is the cost benefit analysis of that? And so sometimes it's never good enough, even to your own standards, even though people might love it and they think that it's great. You're still sort of going, eh, yeah, but I could have done this. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. So it, it can hurt, you know, progressing if you will, but yeah, that's true, Jacqueline. Yeah. You, know, you and I, we've worked on things over the years oh, yeah. and people love it. And it's kind of like, yeah, we We're just like, never oh, really okay. felt it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So but, yeah. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, it's like we don't have that satisfaction and we really should. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always looked at it in two different ways. When I used to do a bit of like art and drawing, that kind of thing, I've always felt like the more you pick at it, there gets to a point where you actually make it worse. You just keep mm -hmm. adding to it. You keep thinking this is going to be better, going to be better. All of a sudden you're like, oh, what did I do? That's a good Um, point. So so I'm always kind of cognizant. I mean, just in anything you do of how, how much can you really just keep picking and picking and picking. Uh, and the other thing I had heard, and, and it, it more relates to probably behavior, but I think it applies in any idea talking about perfection, is that um, the phrase is that in some things, you can be perfect. So you can't expect it in, in everything. But if you're talking like ethics, you know, lying to someone, you can be perfect in that. You, you don't, you don't, you cannot lie to somebody. In other things, physical mistakes happen. Missing, you know, a detail happens. Um, so it's it's kind of, Lynn, to your point, you brought up that kind of that that balance, that sweet spot of acceptance of non-perfection while striving for that perfection. It's, you know, I, I love the psych- psychology aspect to all of it. And that really plays a big role, I think, with <laughs> perfectionism. So moving forward, you know, as we talk about, it's, it's not always about ourselves. It's not always about, uh, you know, we have to be concerned with what we're doing in a place of work. We're surrounded by other individuals. And Jacqueline, you had a related subject in mind today. Yes. Uh, the topic of influencing others. I actually recently attended a great training session put on by MRA management. And I actually learned a lot of good tips. And I wanted to just talk with you guys about it. I know that the majority of you in the quad today actually attended that session. And uh, what tips are you using now since that that training um, or hope to use to influence others? And, and maybe what did you learn about things that you should avoid doing? I didn't take the class, so I'm going to defer <laughs> to those that did take the class. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that I typically do use um, that we did talk a lot of in, in the training session is real life examples in order to get more buy-in from the people that you're talking to. You know, they gave a lot of examples of people that we thought were influencing us. And, you know, a lot of things that came to mind were like Oprah, for example. And then why does Oprah influence you? And um, she does, you know, she truly cares and, and wants to help. And she also has a ton of experience in real life stories. So I have always kind of used that to help influence others. And I understand, I get where you're coming from. Here's what I did in the situation. Something that I learned that I am implementing is a big takeaway for me was trying to ask the why without asking the why. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a, a concern or, you know, even just a, a thought, being able to ask, okay, well, you know, if you were to do this, what would be the effect or what's, con- you know, what concerns you about this? And just asking more of an open-ended question to get the other person thinking critically about, you know, the actual situation versus just feeling 
like they're being attacked. Right. One thing I always have leaned on, and it, it came up in uh, in the session I was in as well, is is trust and really going both ways, um, being able to prove that you are trustworthy to those that you, know, you are looking to influence or maybe are influenced by you in some way. And then in the reverse, being able to trust them to do their job, to do what they're asked to do, because in that way, if you're allowing them to do what they need to do, they're going to feel better about you and they'll probably go to bat for you and they'll, you know, they'll run the phrase being in sports, they'll run through a wall for you. Uh, but if you don't establish that you can be trusted as the one looking to be a leader or an influencer, it's just not going to work. I mean, I just feel that's such a big aspect to, to any workplace, any relationship is trust. And you hear so many times, once that trust is broken, it's so hard to get back. And I think it's true, as, as cliche as that is. One of the things that I learned to uh, avoid doing is that you should put yourself in the recipient's shoes. So whoever you're talking to, and it sounds easy to do. Well, of course, you should consider both sides of the argument. But how often do we really stop and do that? And I think that that was a critical component that he stressed really well, the instructor, which is you must, in order to influence others, you have to put yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. You have to, because then you can figure out what their arguments and their stances and their perspective is going to be so that you can avoid conflict and then making sure that you're delivering your message so that you're not coming across as though you're trying to manipulate them. And that was another thing that I learned is that he said motivation and manipulation are very uh, similar when you look them up in the dictionary, but it's how you make your argument. Mm -hmm. And the difference, again, coming down to putting yourself in their shoes and being prepared for their perspective. And I thought that that was really helpful um, because I don't think that personally that I always do that, even though I like to think that I do. I think sometimes it's just easier to think, well, my my points are pretty good and then kind of leave it at that. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good point, because I know when he had asked us, you know, to give an example, I had a very hard time thinking of, well, why wouldn't this be a good idea? <laughs> so right, because you think your, your position it's perfect. is perfect. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, it is, is a really good point to make sure that you kind of bring yourself back and to, like you said, look at both sides and make sure that you're ready for the the questions. And actually, when I was thinking, I just to piggyback on you guys, when I was thinking about the topic, I, I had wrote down, be prepared. Mm. Whether you're trying to pitch an idea, think of both sides, or even if you need to have a conversation, you know, with one of your team members, give it some thought. So you kind of go in thinking about it from different perspectives. Right. The other thing I'd add is think about the person that you are giving the message to and what style works for them based on what your message is. So, you know, recently I had run into something where a person had gotten a message and I knew what the message was supposed to be. And I'm like, <laughs> that that is like totally not what the intent was. Right. And so, um, you know, we we tried rephrasing, you know, rephrasing the the conversation again. And it was like, oh, that is not what I, I took from that conversation. Mm -hmm. So and again, it was two ways of stating the same idea. Sure. Right. No, it's but, you know, every person can they just can take away different things from a conversation. So right. No, I think it's great perspective. I think uh, some good tips from all of you in, in discussing that idea of, of influence.
Well, we are getting close to the end, but we want to try to finish on a high note. We're going to go to Lynn for that one, although I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know if this topic high. is a high note or not. Yeah, uh, It's entertaining. Yeah, it's a popular topic on our show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you said, a little entertaining, but uh, Lynn, I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you take the lead with that. So the last couple of weeks on the quad, I keep talking about customer service. <laughs> and then this situation kind of hit the airwaves. I heard about it on TV and on the radio. So I'm like, well, if everyone else across America can talk about it, why not us? Yeah, So um, just to give the listeners the background in case you haven't seen it, definitely Google it. Um, It was uh, a cable provider. I'll keep it anonymous. <laughs> nice. A cable for, uh, provider, uh, an individual that actually works at AOL, was trying to cancel his cable service. And um, he was really getting a rough time from the service rep on the phone. And the rep just kept saying, but why are you canceling? We're the best. And I don't understand why you would go anywhere else. Well, I don't know how long it took, but the the customer... Um, he started recording the call, mm-hmm. and uh, the call went on for eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. that was a long. Um, one. And he just—he was very. The customer was very calm, cool, and collected. <laughs> yes, that was very surprising. <laughs> Even though the ref was just kind of giving it to him um, in terms of why would you want to cancel? So it's been interesting to hear the different takes on this topic um, from you know across the country. One is phone recording, which I never even thought of, you know, who has the right to record a call. But then some other comments have been some companies actually have this as a method. There's like rewards that can be obtained if you retain customers. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so this could have come into play. He didn't want a demerit or anything. <laughs> right. Well, I think there could be like a monetary thing. I, you know, I have no idea what all the different companies' policies are. But then the other thing that I heard of, and this is what really kind of resonated with me, is, um, you know, now this is going viral right. across mm-hmm. the country. But it is a reflection on the company. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's a reflection on his coworkers. You know, because all of a sudden you start lumping in, you know, who wants to call customer service reps at cable companies? Right. You know, yada, yada, yada. You know, and it's like I always feel bad because there are a lot of good workers out there (laughs) and they're not all that way. But this individual now has kind of set the tone and now the company and probably his whole unit have gone into some kind of crisis mode. Yeah, that's tough. And I, and I saw in the article, you know, right away, one of their executives like apologizing. It's not how we handle things, which, you know, I'm very skeptical of people. I'd like to believe that that's not how they handle things. But to your point, there might be something in the back end saying, yeah. hey, here's how we handle things. And I've never been in sales. Um, and I give anyone who's in Me sales a, a ton of credit because I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, and again, finding that balance of really trying to be helpful and not crossing this line that clearly this individual was crossing. But yeah, I, I, it is fascinating. I, I think, you know, we can't do a true justice unless you go and listen to it. Um, but in general, I've ha- I haven't had too many bad experiences, but it just the idea that, yeah, the customer kept his cool because then it just gets bad if it goes back and forth. And, you know, it is being recorded usually on the on the right. company side mm-hmm. and that's to protect themselves. So, Lynn, as you brought up, OK, can you record that? And there are different laws that go into it. And obviously we don't have time for that. But um, 
you know, as far as customer service goes, I I understand that you're trying to make a sale, you're trying to keep that customer. But Lynn, you bring up a great point. You could have so many far-reaching negative effects by just this one call on yourself, on the company, on the profession as a whole. You just got to keep those things in mind when you're maybe getting a little too hungry for that sale right. or hungry to keep that customer. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that as far as, uh, as far as that conversation. Well, being in sales, Tim, no, I'm just <laughs> I, I give you a ton of credit. I <laughs> right, could not, yeah. I really could not do it. I think, you know, one of the biggest things with customer service is making sure that you're hiring the right people that have the patience to handle a lot of the, you know, different types of calls. Um, I think in this situation, I mean, this is the perfect customer calling and he was so calm and collected and and really was not giving any reason as to why the customer service person had to, you know, keep hounding him. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there is some circumstances where obviously the person calling in is is very frustrated and you just have to calm them down and have that patience. I actually was thinking about it. My mom is a perfect example because I was laughing at her the other day. She's not a techie person at all. <laughs> she had to call her Internet provider because her Internet wasn't working. Oh. And she was just just so mad at, <laughs> at the person because they weren't helping her. And um, I'm like, Mom, you have to realize that they're doing the best that they possibly can because <laughs> you don't have the knowledge to deal with that doesn't yeah. mean you can go out and, you know, yell at these people. And so you <laughs> kind of take those two different sides and working in customer service and understanding that that perspective. But, you know, I think it's a very fine line um, when it comes to customer service. And I, I think you always have to keep in the back of your mind what the company perspective is. And this is going to come back to haunt the company or do better for the company? Am I doing what's in the best interest of the company at this point? The cable provider that is in this article is also my cable provider. Oh. And I have to say <laughs> that I'm not surprised in the slightest at all. Really? Interesting. Every ah. time I call them, it is just a pain for me. I have to like mentally prepare. <laughs> and I recently called them about a month ago and I'm not kidding. I was transferred first. I was transferred probably that I can recall five times and was hung up on twice. Wow. Well, it's just, yeah. So when I listened to the call and read the article, honestly, I was just shaking my head because this is so typical of this particular organization. So I'm not surprised at all, but on the positive side, I think customer service does speak volumes about an organization in general. And I think that if an organization can pride themselves on that and do whatever they can to add, answer questions, and if you don't know the answer, I know we talked about this in the last quad. If you don't know the answer, just say you don't know the answer, but I will find out for you. Or, you know what? I don't know the answer, but I will transfer you to someone who does know the answer. Mm -hmm. I think that that's such a big, important thing because you have to remember as the the person providing the services, people are calling you because they have a need. They have a question. So you need to be able to answer that question so that they can move forward. Otherwise, it, it is frustrating. So I don't know, Ash, I sort of sympathize with your mom. I just <laughs> you a little bit because whether she has the knowledge or not, they have the skills to walk people through how to do those types of things. So I don't know. I would love to talk to your mom and see what she says. <laughs> yeah, she probably would agree with you. 
Well, I, mean, I do know for me personally, though, so since I started working here, I and I used to sit by sales, so I could hear yeah. them dealing with objections. And I just like felt so bad that it really has made me more patient when I've been on the phone, mm-hmm. but almost to the point of my husband will listen to me and he's like, I can't believe you didn't hang up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I was trying to give him the benefit of a doubt. Right. See, I see, Lynn, I'm the opposite. I think we have amazing customer service that my standards are now so high that I have like zero tolerance Mm, for poor customer service. Interesting. It's bad. Like our customer service is amazing that now that's what I expect outside customer service to be. And it's not like that, but it's it's like, it doesn't take that much to make someone's experience pleasant. Yeah. But I think it has to be two-sided to go off of, you know, the the frustrations coming out is a lot of times when people are frustrated, they're not listening to the other end of how the customer service person is trying right. to help them. Yeah. So it kind of has to be a two-way street. Yeah. You When you make that phone call, you know <laughs> what you're going in for. Well, uh, some great discussion today. We definitely are uh, we definitely are past our time, but uh, well worth it. Well worth it. it. It did fly by, we'll say. As always, thanks to our many listeners across the country, either listening through our site on localjobnetwork.com or on iTunes as well. Make sure you check us out there. Uh, you can connect actually with any of us on the LJN Radio Quad by sending a message to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. You can tell us what you'd like us to talk about the next time and have a nice conversation about. And always remember to follow us on Twitter as well, at the LJN is where you can find us. Use the hashtag LJN Radio. Once again, our favorite tweet will win a Starbucks gift card and who doesn't like free stuff? For everyone at localjobnetwork.com, for Lynn Molitor, Ashley Fitzgerald, and Jacqueline Peterson in Chicago, I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for listening. 